1: Hey, all you cool cats and kittens, (laughs) welcome back to Believe in Softball. I'm your host, Jenna Becerra, and we're going to cover a few things today. So here's the order. First, going to cover all our bases, share some news and updates since last week's episode. And then we'll have today's guest. I have an interview with Danielle O'Toole-Trejo, pitcher for Team Mexico, also a former Pac-12 player. So that's always a fun conversation. And then we'll wrap up with the new segment, Double Play Tip of the Week. I'll talk about how to get better physically and mentally. All right, so let me sip my LaCroix. All right, let's get after it. So covering all our bases. First thing I want to highlight is that Softball America actually released their All-America Awards. So I think this was great because I think it's important to honor this season. I talked about that in a previous episode. Conference and postseason are really more important to me within a season but preseason is really all we got this year, so I think we have to focus on what we have. And in those awards, they actually named Miranda Ellish as the player of the year for 2020. Completely agree. You guys know how I love pitchers who hit. I've already gone over Miranda's numbers on this show before, so I'm all about this choice. It makes sense. I've given Miranda's numbers in past episodes of this show before. In terms of pitcher of the year, they also named Megan Farremo from UCLA, which I also think is the right call, especially considering UCLA only had one loss on the entire season by the time 2020 ended. And a big part of that was after losing Rachel Garcia to Team USA, Megan Farremo really stepped up in the circle for them. So I also like that choice. And now I'm not as into the rankings, especially the player rankings, the power rankings, because I think there's a lot of aspects that go into that. But I think to have both of these women be a part of the top three in terms of team ranking, Softball America also had Texas and UCLA both in the top three. So I think that really feels right. In terms of the ongoing effects that we're seeing with the eligibility ruling from NCAA, some exciting news. There are some returners that we all love that we'll be excited to see that are announcing that they'll come back in 2021 some of the seniors so you have amber pfizer from minnesota obviously an ace for them took them to the world series last year the Hackbarth twins out in asu i know coach ford will be excited about that they're coming back and there's a lot more from the power five as well so i think those are the exciting stories that we were hoping for when the ncaa vote came in that there was going to be eligibility relief On the other side of that is that there are a lot of transfers. Now, this was something that I think we all knew was coming, but it is now underway. So as of Monday, 80 D1 players had entered the transfer portal, and 22 of those were graduate transfers, so roughly a little over a quarter. And that's just since the season was canceled in March. That doesn't include transfers from before that time period. So that's a lot. And I'll get into the graduate transfers piece in a moment. One thing I also want to highlight, too, outside of the Power Five, things are a little tougher. The Ivy League, for example, staying in accordance with their own existing eligibility policies are not letting seniors return for fifth years in 2021, despite the NCAA ruling. That's tough. Ivy League careers ended in a way that nobody wanted their careers to end or could have imagined that they would end in that fashion. So I think the important thing to note here is, yes, we got that win from the NCAA to get the eligibility relief, but now here's the reality. There isn't a perfect solution, like I've said before, but the problem is that there's also no real guidance on how to deal with the fallout from all of this. Coach Lawson, the head coach at Kentucky, summarized it well. She said, it's just a mess (laughs) because it is. It really is. There's so many elements to it. I mean, obviously you have money. Softball gets 12 scholarships per team. With that being said that doesn't fill out an entire team so there's a lot of people on these squads that don't just have athletic scholarships they might have academic scholarships blended in or other things to round it out or to help how does that work for transfers like i mentioned the graduate transfers well for people who graduate you have to look for a grad program if the one that actually makes sense for you in your career in life isn't at your school Then you have to go somewhere else, and then you don't actually get to finish your career at your initial place that you thought you'd have that moment. That's hard. You know, Alex Martins, the Kentucky second baseman, actually said that she and her teammates, a lot of them won't be able to come back. She's happy for people who can, but she thinks that realistically, more than half of seniors already probably have post grad plans, and you can't really change those at this point in time. Then you look at the current roster, not just the seniors. But the rest of the team, what about those sophomores, let's say, who have been waiting for the superstar ahead of them to graduate to then really get a shot at that starting position? So they just have to wait another year now if that person's going to stick around? And then recruiting, do you have scholarships to give out? And then you look at the Olympic players who still have eligibility. We talk about Garcia, Nichols, and Molly Polo on Team USA, for example. They'll hopefully compete in the postponed Tokyo Olympics next year. And then they come back in 2022. I mean, a whole nother year. Another word that Coach Lawson used to describe all of this kind of happening in one big storm is nightmare. And to me, you know, everyone has a big suck right now in some way. Canceled life events, work layoffs. I mean, you name it, it's outrageous. But this is softballs and spring sports. This is the big suck. And it feels like the dream of playing college softball in some ways has turned into a nightmare right now, but I don't want to forget the essence of that dream in the first place. So I do want to end on a positive note. This week also highlighted National Student-Athlete Day. I can't say enough the incredible effort that it takes to really pull double duty as a student athlete. You're doing school. You're doing your sport. These are two different jobs that you're doing at the same time. To me, I don't think you can really understand it fully unless you've lived it. And Stanford, from my experience, is really that, but on steroids even. And Team USA shared some stuff on social media, really honoring the 174 student-athletes that are on a national team in their sport for the U.S. And shout-out to Stanford. They had the most current student-athletes at 18. Not a surprise. Softball, unlike Some other sports, every person on the roster has competed in college. So for swimming, for example, you know, Katie Ledecky had her Rio moment, or moments, I should say, she was unbelievable, before ever stepping foot in a Stanford classroom, right? So college for softball is different. It's really the heart of our sport. So I love seeing tributes to and from all levels of collegiate sports too, not just D1, D2, D3, all of it. It was really nice to see on Twitter and a nice pick-me-up. And I want us to remember things like this. Let's feed ourselves the positive content, too. So, and with that, now we'll get into some direct perspective on the Olympics and plenty more from our guests today. Let's take a listen. Welcome back to Believe in Softball. I'm your host, Jenna Becerra, and I'm here with a really cool guest today, current member of Team Mexico who qualified for the Tokyo Olympics. All-American at the University of Arizona, 2017 Pac-12 Pitcher of the Year, and NPF player Danielle O'Toole. Appreciate you joining, Danielle.
0: Yep, no problem. Thanks for having me. Do your teammates
1: actually call you Danielle, or do you go by Tooley?
0: Tooley. Definitely Tooley. Only people who call me Danielle are my family, my mom, if I'm in trouble.
1: (laughs) That's how it is, I feel like. Nicknames or... Maiden names too also never go away because you're you were recently married, right?
0: Yes, but I took my husband's last name. Like I will continue to keep O'Toole Trejo, but in the softball world, it's still Danielle O'Toole. So
1: my college teammates, who we would pretty much exclusively call by their last names, most of them have gotten married actually, and nothing's really changed. Like they still have the same name in my phone. If I'm trying to get their attention, it's still, you know, their their maiden name or their nickname. It just never changes.
0: Yep, same.
1: Well, I've been seeing on Twitter too that your husband catches you, right? So how does that typically go?
0: So we've been together for a long time, but he started catching me maybe a few years ago um, towards the end of my college career. And then as I needed somebody after I graduated because I I didn't live near anybody and there wasn't anybody around to catch. So he started and he picked it up quickly. The last time he played baseball was when he was little. Um, He's pretty good at it. So it's enjoyable to throw to him because he does give me feedback and he's learning like how to read the spin of the ball and what it's supposed to look like.
1: Speaking of feedback, I feel like I saw a tweet of yours not too long ago that you said your backdoor curve had been hit a little bit hard one weekend. Yes. Yeah. And he said he'd only catch you if you threw all backdoor curves. I feel like that's a yep. little savage.
0: <laughs> he is for sure. Um, he's pretty honest. He doesn't sugarcoat very much. We were playing in the, Mexico was playing in the triple crown tournament in Puerto Vallarta and we had not seen live batters. We just come together and we kind of play. So we played Texas and obviously um, this year before everything stopped, they were on a roll, you know, they were playing well. I threw a backdoor curve and I left it over the middle of the plate and it's, I have to just kind of be honest with that and I turned around and it's over the fence. I'm like, okay, cool. So kind of called him and came home and I was like, my backdoor curve is not good right now. <laughs> so.
1: Well, you know, get, that's the whole point of that though, of facing those teams and doing that tour is getting those reps in because nothing replaces live reps and live
0: batters. Know. You can throw every day and it's not the same. Like, I I can be in really great bullpen shape, but being in game shape is completely different.
1: It is. And now it's even harder with all the social distancing that we're doing, softball being canceled, uh, the Olympics being moved, all of that. There's such a big impact with this COVID-19 stuff. What was your reaction to the postponement of the Tokyo Olympics, but also when the new dates were announced for 2021 next summer?
0: Um, In the very beginning of all this, I actually didn't think it'd be postponed, like in the very beginning when a lot of this stuff kind of started coming out, when it hadn't really hit the United States yet, I guess I didn't really realize the severity of it until a little bit later, and then I just kind of started to accept the fact that the Olympics might be postponed, like it is a very big event and it's a world event that people wait for for years, So how could they do it? But it makes sense because you have to put the safety and like health of like millions of people first, obviously disappointed that we couldn't play, but not angry or mad or anything that they had to do that because it it is necessary. And then when they came out with the dates, I figured it was going to be a year. I figured it was going to be in the summer. Japan in the summer is hot, but (laughs) I just figured they'd give it another year, especially like giving it the max amount of time for the entire world to take care of this virus.
1: So, yeah, and at least it's the same time other than the weather because I've heard that it is hot, like you said, and it's humid and all that stuff. It's at so least, hot. It, yeah, but at least it's the same time of year. So, preparation wise, like the schedule can at least yeah. be somewhat similar.
0: Yeah, softball, softball was started before opening ceremonies. So, I am assuming that they'll still do that. So, I know that we'll probably be out there a few days before. So, I think we'll play two two game days and then opening ceremonies and then we'll play like everybody else in the field.
1: And you're saying we, so I'm assuming that means you are for sure coming back for it or sticking with it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because you had talked about
0: potentially retiring after the Olympics originally. Um, Before. So there's this, um, there's a writer down in um, Tucson. Um, He's actually like one of my favorite Uh, journalist Um, his name is Ryan and he had asked me a while ago before the NPF season of 2019 what I was going to do after the Olympics and I talked about possibly kind of retiring I'm not I'm still like wasn't sure like maybe this might be my last thing my my husband at the time was planning on going back to school for the next three years or so so you know I was just there's kind of like a lot of stuff going on the postponement doesn't affect my goal and it's something that I want to do so it's just another year of training and preparing so yeah it doesn't affect I still don't know what I'm going to do I might I might not play my dad has bets with people (laughs) like she'll play two more years or she won't or so we'll see
1: (laughs) what about your teammates too what have you guys been doing or have you been doing anything as a team to try to kind of stay connected during this time I know it's really hard because you can't actually be in person with each other
0: um, We have had a couple meetings on Zoom and stuff with each other. It's hard because we do have a few college girls. So they're either in class or taking exams and stuff. So we actually haven't been able to see them. Um, mm-hmm. We haven't been able to kind of schedule a decent time where like everybody can get on because we're so spread out time zone wise. And yeah. the majority of us are in the United States. Mexico just started their own quarantine, I think, from what I heard from somebody down there. So they're a little bit behind but they just started. So that means that they're not going to be able to do anything either.
1: Yeah. The access to the facilities and all that too, you have to get creative. Yep. As everyone knows, this is the first time ever that Mexico has qualified for the Olympics in softball. And a lot of people don't know that much about what Mexican softball is. Mm -hmm. So what parts of your journey as a team and your story have been the most special? You know, actually, Flow
0: Softball just did a video on Mexico softball, and I am new to it. It's not, it hasn't even been a year. Um, I was with USA before, so I wasn't really in tune with their journey. Obviously, I am now, but I wasn't a part of a lot of the hardships that some of the older veterans have been through, like Sashel, Dallas, everybody who's kind of been on the team a little bit longer. But I do understand it, and I honestly don't think that anybody understands what we as a team or them as a team had gone through previously I just don't think they understand how you know not having the resources is a little bit um, difficult and we appreciate every opportunity that they have given us but it is difficult especially for everybody who's come from like p5s or like just high-end universities um, who fortunately give us what we need and stuff like that to having to work really hard, and we work hard anyways, but just having to work for people to just kind of respect us as athletes, it's definitely very different. We're definitely an underdog, and that's fine to keep it that way because it just makes it a lot easier to work hard to prove some stuff, but we're not to be taken lightly. I know that. Yeah, definitely
1: not. You were talking about resources. That impacts training and everything else, but also I actually think I read somewhere that you actually help with some of the social media and some of the operational
0: things too. I do. Our president of the federation, his son is in charge of our media stuff. So I kind of help him with whatever he needs.
1: Versatile. I like it on and off the field. Yeah,
0: I like, I like doing it. Um, it's something that I think is not only really good for our team, but um, I know that I can be helpful in that area and I do have the time to do it so it's no scare off my back. If it helps everybody, then I would, I'm would. i more than happy to do it. I also think it will probably be good for the future.
1: I mean, you guys are building, like you said, kind of proving yourselves, but also building that presence that is Mexico softball in the international stage. And that's part of it nowadays. Social media and all of that is all part of it.
0: Yep, definitely. That's where we're at.
1: So training-wise, what are you doing right now? Obviously your husband's catching you, but what else are you trying to do? And what are your teammates doing with all the limitations that everybody's dealing with?
0: Uh, my teammate, Sachelle, I think she has a Peloton. So I think she's on the bike a lot. <laughs> um, I do not have one of those. So I've been, actually, I go out and run like maybe like every other day I run with my dog. She's, she might be small, but she um, can definitely keep up. My husband works out every day. He's super good about that. So he kind of pushes me to like, hey, get up, let's go get moving. Because sometimes, and we just talked about this in our team meeting, sometimes you can kind of get used to this like weird state that we're in because we're inside a lot. So he's definitely helping me with that.
1: Running's good too, because you can get outside, like you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> like, And that's just, where we're used yep. to playing softball, outside. Yeah, I just told
0: him like, I feel so, I feel accomplished when I go out and like, I complete a route, and even if it's a quick one, like I just feel like, okay, I like I did something.
1: Completely agree. And it seems like you're very family oriented in general. I think haven't you been really close with your grandparents and your husband? Obviously, you said your dad's a firefighter. It seems like that's really important to you.
0: Family's super important to me. It's been really um, hard to not like be able to see anybody. So. We live in San Diego and then his brother actually lives down the street with our really, like our really good friend. He's practically family. He's the officiant for our wedding. They both live down the street and we can't, we can't see them. He's immunocompromised, so we can't see them because my husband's a nurse. So he Mm. is working on COVID patients. So it's been difficult to try to like make sure like we seclude ourselves for like the safety of our family. You know, both of his parents are kind of in the older range Um, my parents live two hours away so it's kind of easier to not see them but my mom is immunocompromised and my grandparents are just older and my and my grandpa is at high risk because he's had heart surgery and my grandma is missing a lung (laughs) like there's just so many problems but and there's just the better reason just to stay away it's just it's been really difficult because they are important to me
1: it's so hard I agree I'm really close with my grandparents too. And my grandma, you know, she's, I'll call her up and she'll be like, mijita, wash your hands, you know, because my grandma is actually Mexican on my dad's side and my grandfather is Spanish. And so after every visit driving away, you know, they do the sign of the cross to bless me and bless my car for the trip. And, you know, I'm missing that right now.
0: Yeah. I actually, um, my grandparents have a tablet, like an Android tablet. I had them leave it out on the porch. and I had my sister who is with my mom right now. I had her download zoom. So yeah. and she like taught them through the door, like how to use Zoom. And so like my sister lives with me, my other sister. So we call and then he joins in on the call, but we call them and it's just nice because like all you see is like my grandma's like from like her top of her eyes up because she like doesn't understand, <laughs> but at least I can hear them and, like I can like see them because they're so bored.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm impressed that they were able to figure it out, to be honest.
0: They're they're older. Um, my grandma, I think my grandma's 85. I, I always forget because it's just, she just doesn't she doesn't want birthdays and she doesn't want anyone to talk about her age. Um, <laughs> but they are older and they don't really understand anything like that. So I was surprised they would figure it out too. But I know that the cousins call a lot because we set that up for them, so they're getting used to it. And my grandpa is super about sports. Like all he wants to do is watch sports. And they normally go to bed watching the 11 o'clock news. And he goes to bed at nine o'clock now.
1: (laughs) Oh my gosh. She's like, I'm over it. There's nothing good going on. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. Yeah, Yeah, it's a tough time. It really is. We talked about teammates too. And in a way, I also feel like they're sort of family-like as well. Definitely. Uh, You mentioned already too, that you previously played for Team USA. And I mean, you medaled in the World Championships, International Cup, etc., You had a great experience there. What was the process like of deciding to switch over to represent a different
0: country? I actually had somebody ask me this question and I just want to clarify. I don't like using the word switch Mm -hmm. um, because I I wasn't on Team USA when I decided to make the move. I so when I was on Team USA, they have tryouts every January. And I had tried out in January and then the following few days the list comes out and I wasn't on it um, and that was really it was extremely difficult for me um, so it took me a while to like kind of come out of whatever state and I talk about it a little more freely now because I feel like it's important I was in a bad place um, mentally and emotionally so when I kind of came out of that I had gotten a phone call from our coach Carlos And I mean, they'd been calling me for, I think when I started at San Diego State. So it had been like at the time, like seven years, but I answered and he talked to me and was like, would you, you know, be interested in doing this? You know, we still have to qualify in September. So we would need you on the team uh, before summer starts. And I was like, let me think about it. And then, you know, by that time I was with the Chicago Bandits and I decided that that was going to be the next move for me because at the time I made it because it, you know, I still wanted to achieve like my dream and I wanted to make sure that everything that I did, I do for a reason. Like I'm, I'm doing this, you know, with a purpose I'm doing this for my family. When I joined the team, it is so much more than just me. Like it it has always been about other people with me. Like I'm very team oriented, but with them, it is, it is so different.
1: Yeah, that's a really good point. You really just kept tracing the dream. Mexico hadn't qualified for the Olympics before and then here you are, you join the team and you do it for the first time. Like I'm actually kind of getting goosebumps thinking about how you've created your path.
0: Qualifying in Canada was a 100%. We needed every person that was there. Like if we had if we were missing one person it would not have happened. We still talk about it. <laughs> Sasha talks about the Puerto Rico game a lot. And then I'm sure with Dallas talks about the Canada game, Dallas threw an amazing game against Canada. So we just, we needed everybody there. It's just so important.
1: Have you learned some new things being on team Mexico, maybe that are just different than team USA? It's
0: a tricky question. (laughs) Um, I have learned new things about myself. It's just, it's a very different atmosphere. You know, team USA was a great experience for me and I'm obviously grateful that I got the opportunity to do that um, because it was really, really amazing. But I definitely think that learning like how to treat your family and like how, like how much they actually support you. Like I'm talking about like my teammates here. Like we just had a phone call the other day about, you know, how maybe sometimes like negative emotions can um, come out or anything like that. And like, I'm a pretty vocal person when it comes to them. Like I give my opinion freely so I just talked to them the other day about, hey, sometimes, you know, if I do end up saying something to you guys, you know, do you ever feel negative about that, or, like, do you have negative emotions about that, or does it put you in a bad place, and, like, for us to be able to talk like that, it's definitely teaching me, like, not only, like, to be a better, like, person, which in college, that's what I was taught was, like, most important, but it's just teaching me how to be like a better teammate and that there is more to life than this. And like, obviously it's true. Like now that we're in the pandemic. That open communication. I feel like we always say, right, like communication is so
1: important and it's so easy to say that, but it's really hard to actually do.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yep. I definitely, I mean, I've never been able to just kind of open up and talk like that. So Being able to ask those questions and like get feedback from them, like immediately and directly, was really awesome. And that's just the type of people that they are.
1: That's great because that's really what it's about in the long run. You said in college you were taught that it's most important to be a good person. That's kind of where things start. Obviously, there are national team ties with your alma mater at Arizona, with Coach Candrea, coached Team USA for many years. But if you had to describe Arizona softball, in three words, what would they be and why?
0: Mm. Um, I would definitely say tradition. That is the Arizona way. Tradition lives here. I would definitely say like family and tradition, family, and maybe the third one. I don't know. You have to give me some time to think about it, but if it's just off the top of my head, I would definitely say like pride. Playing for that man changed my life. He was I mean, I can't even talk about him without like getting emotional. He is just an amazing human being and he taught us that being a good person is more important than being a good softball player. I mean, he was at my wedding. I mean, I just I just want to keep him like by my side like forever. <laughs> um, his, you know, his family, his wife, and then you have, you know, Coach Kate and Coach I at the time, like They just really instilled it like we are a family and I don't know, you are just, you have to be proud to be an Arizona Wildcat. And it is, I mean, I, I am wearing, (laughs) you're wearing it right now. (laughs) So I just, I mean, playing for him was amazing. And I tell this story a lot. I know that he technically isn't allowed to do this now that I I know the rules, but I just shows you the kind of human being he was. I got my wallet stolen. Um, down at the payway at school and I just I had a meeting with coach like pretty close to that time so from getting my wallet stolen walked to his office and I looked I think I looked upset or something because he asked me what was wrong and then I told him and I was like upset about it and he was like okay what do you need like do you need groceries like do you need this like are you okay for right now like and it's just the epitome of he just wants to like make sure that you're taken care of and he's like if you can ask literally anybody that's played for him and he's just a father figure, he's just a really amazing person.
1: I can say confidently too, having been, you know, at Stanford in the Pac Ten for most of my time, but I did mm-hmm. have one year in the Pac twelve. I'm not too old, hopefully. No. But having been in the same environment and playing against Coach Candrea and Arizona. I'd say the three words that you picked in terms of tradition, family, and pride seem pretty spot on to me and everyone yeah. that I've ever talked to about Coach Candrea and actually my coach at Stanford coached with him for Team USA as well.
0: Your coach was? John Rittman. John Rittman. Amazing. Love yeah. Coach Rittman.
1: Yeah. And, yeah. So, and they actually have similar styles um, in certain ways mm-hmm. in their approach. So just everything I've ever heard in regards to Coach Kendra has only been positive. Yep. So I'm not surprised to hear the same from you, but it is nice to hear kind of specific examples and like what your individual story is having played for him.
0: Yeah. And the other thing is is he's such he's so family oriented and like he's not just talk, like he had a manager position open and my brother was looking for a college and he took my brother on as manager and You know, he was there for a couple years, and then my sister comes to college, and she's like, oh, well, maybe I'll go to Arizona, and then she's at Arizona, and coach is like, oh, I have a job for her. Like, he gave her a work-study program, and now she's, like, the head of their video department. He just took my family in and, like, had no problem doing it.
1: You know what? You're really kind of softening my hard heart when it comes to U of A, only because... My freshman year, um, we played Super Regionals, and we hosted Arizona. We were the eight and nine seed that year, and we were I think both teams were kind of mad about it, actually, because we both had really great seasons, and we're like, really, we have to play each other again? We already did in conference, right? Mm -hmm. And then we actually won the first game, and as a team, we're like, holy shit, we're going to go to the World Series. You know, we're going to do this. And then they actually beat us in the next two games. We were one out away from going to the World Series. Clearly, I'm still not over it. So I've always kind of held on to that, as has everyone yeah. on my team. But also having respect for Arizona as a program, of course, how can you not with a tradition like that? But you're, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're making me softer, I think. Yeah, <laughs> um, me get it's, over definitely,
0: it. it's definitely um, changed the team's to change throughout the years, you can physically see the changes that have gone on throughout the years. But he definitely preaches the same stuff. And if you actually listen, you walk away better.
1: And you are actually supposed to take on the Wildcats in Tucson on your tour with Team Mexico. Oh, I know. I know. Uh, wow. I mean, talk about a tough one to miss. <sighs> but yeah. if you get that opportunity again, how do you think it'll be? Like, what are you looking forward to the
0: most? Just being on the field again. Coach doesn't come out of the dugout very often. Like, he normally is in, like, kind of the back corner. Um, He'll come out if he's making a pitching change or if he needs to go to the umpire. Um, I actually, in my time, I've never seen him. And I was only, I only played for two years. But I had never seen him walk out um, without making a pitching change. And he actually did that this past season. But I am looking forward to, like, being on the field with him again. Um, Sometimes he would walk over to me and, like, Give me, like, a fist bump. Be like, nice job. And, like, fist bump and, like, walk the other way. So I knew I had a good inning if that happened. But I am just looking forward to kind of being on the field again and in front of the fans. The fans are brutal if you are not a Wildcat. Yes, I they know. are. I know. <laughs> but they are awesome if you are one. And I won't be. So I think they'll be a little harsh to my team when we when we do get the chance to go because I know for sure that will be set up again. Like, there is no way that won't happen. But I know that it'll be a little harsh, but at least I'm looking forward to like, because when I do go, people are so, oh my gosh, you know, like you're here. Can I take a picture with you? And like, I don't know what I ever did to deserve any of that, but they think otherwise. So I would, <laughs> I love any of that stuff because like, I just love putting like smiles on people's faces and living back in that time. Cause it was just amazing to have people like really, like truly 100% support you. And sometimes they get mad, but it's okay. Every fan, <laughs> every fan does.
1: It's because they're invested and you yeah. you're spot on with the fact that it's really hard to play there if you're not I know a wildcat. But you know, I it's know. funny actually, there was one year. I wanna say it was my senior year maybe, maybe before that. I'm not sure.
0: Well, you had but, a good year you had a good year that year. So I'm not surprised that they if they didn't like you as much.
1: <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> That's true too. And I remember my parents it must have been senior year because they went to every series that year. I think most parents try to do that if they can. Uh, yeah. mm-hmm. And uh Somehow, some way later, I think that summer I'm home just visiting them. And I see these Arizona softball water bottles in our cupboard, like in our cabinet with all of our other dishes and cups and everything. And I'm like, what the hell is this? What do you have these in here? <laughs> They're like, oh, there are actually these fans that were sitting near us that were really nice. And they were just asking about you and they just gave us them. So we figured, I don't know, they were nice. We keep them. I was like, okay but I was like so thrown I was like why do we have Arizona softball things but it was funny and it became clear that while they would give us a hard time they just love Arizona softball and I actually love that you guys had that and still have that as a program to have a fan base you know there's nothing that really can replace it
0: definitely I just feel bad for other teams that come (laughs) in and like because you can hear them they're just rude sometimes
1: (laughs) well and even where we used to warm up I mean I know that the Hillebrand has been totally renovated and all of that but when we used to hit like right over in those batting oh campions, yeah there was
0: um oh it was just open
1: yes and I think there were some frat houses that were like right there or something or maybe just houses mm-hmm. where students yeah. lived and they would they would talk to us they would say yeah. a lot of things to us
0: during it. um he re- so that got redone and. 16 is when the lap center was put in Mm. so that included like the batting cages right behind it so it was like it was that year beforehand that it was completely open there is a frat that's to the left and for some of our games they'd sit on the roof and they'd have like a party but it would just be like just for cheering us on and stuff like that so yeah um, yeah they definitely come out
1: well speaking of that too you've already mentioned a couple people as we've been talking, but a lot of the Mexican pitching staff is all kind of Arizona, meaning you and Taylor McClellan from U of A, obviously, but then Dallas Escobedo, who you also mentioned, from ASU. Do you guys ever have any
0: sort of, like, friendly rivalry banter? Sometimes, but it's more of, like, a joke. um, Yeah. (laughs) Because it's not just her, so it's me and Taylor, and then you have Chelsea Gonzalez, who uh, played at ASU, and then Sashel and Dallas, so we're outnumbered. (laughs) And sometimes, and I, we did it the other day, like we're we're on our Zoom call, and like all of a sudden, like my hand comes up, and I give like the, <laughs> I give like the fork, um, and they're like woo, but I mean it's just it's just a joke sometimes. Yeah, you know, especially because people bring it up uh, quite a bit. It doesn't matter to us. I mean, I think it did in college, but it it honestly just doesn't matter. It's more of a fun thing for us.
1: It's always family wherever you went, like your alma mater. I mean, you even mentioned, you mentioned Caitlin Lowe was also a coach at the time. I mean, she's an Arizona alum and a, a pillar, I guess, of Arizona softball. She's yeah, part that's of it. A great,
0: that is a great word. Yes.
1: Yeah. You guys always will hold on to that. But then now you're on a new team with Mexico and you guys will have that bond too, just in a different mm-hmm. way.
0: Mm-hmm. So that yeah, makes definitely. sense. Yeah. <laughs> I look forward to being in the place where we are so close. It is crazy so if you look at which Caitlin Lowe is such a great example um, not only is she just a great player but she's just a really very very awesome person and she is so real I can tell you if I was slacking she was definitely that person to go like hey what are you doing like and had no problem doing it so I, I appreciate her I enjoy her and I really enjoy watching her and for example like her Lovey Jung, uh, Leo Brian Amico, people from like that Olympic era that were on that team together um, or like any of the Olympic teams, like they are so very, very close. And it's hard because like, that is our example. And that is who my generation grew up watching. And yeah. um, so I actually look forward to having that kind of connection with the teammates that I have right now. Yeah, like, that, absolutely. Is, that is something that I like, I really look forward to because they are so, so, so close. Like, Like Stacey Newman, she was a coach for the Bandits and she's like so fun. Um, (laughs) Her being close with certain people on that team and just like having them around, like Lauren Lappin, like also coach for the Bandits, amazing. Like just like how the two of them, like it is insane to me that you can have friends being older. Like I consider myself like an adult, but like I'm not an adult. Like, you know what I mean? (laughs) Like, like it's just, it's incredible to me to see like the friendships grow like that from like being our age and then, you know, getting older and having kids and getting married and all this stuff, like just to keep the connection, like that is something I'm really looking forward to. Oh, a hundred percent. And you're totally
1: right. It it spans across the different schools people played at all because they had that USA experience together. I actually had Natasha Watley on the show episode four, I think, something Mm -hmm. like that. And she, before we had got on to chat and have our interview, I had mentioned I was from Camarillo in Southern California and she was like, Oh, I was just over there. I was visiting Jessica Mendoza's parents yep. to say hello. Right. You know, and it's like, Oh, she's casually visiting her parents cause they're just that close and they have that bond. So yeah, uh, you're totally right. And that, that'll be really, really cool for you guys to share with team Mexico too, as yeah. the years
0: go on. I think that the part of being Mexican is that family is like everyone is close. Whenever we go anywhere, we always have at least like one set of parents that are with us. Yeah. So, like, if I, for example, if, if I was in Texas, like, and if I was anywhere near Tori Vidalis, I would probably go see her parents. Yeah. <laughs> like, that is what I'm talking about. Like, I live in San Diego, I live 35 minutes from Sachel Palacios. But if I ever come back down here after we end up moving or if anything like that, I would definitely go see her parents. I don't know. That's just how I think we do it because being Mexican is you're very family-based so I would love that kind of connection.
1: It's so true and even like it took me a long time to realize I have 10 first cousins just on my dad's side Mm -hmm. and we're all very close like they were more sort of sibling-like actually to me growing up and it took me a really long time to realize oh most people don't actually have that experience like Mm -hmm. I'm the one that's a little bit different in that regard and the grandparents like we talked about and And then you just kind of like naturally have those bonds with other families that are like that too. So yeah, couldn't agree more. And I know you mentioned the bandits and we've talked about international softball, collegiate softball. I just want to talk a little bit about pro softball. Now Mm -hmm. you were obviously drafted to the bandits coming out of school. So what has it been like? You mentioned Lappin, Stacey Newman. I mean, it's a pretty good start just having those two as your coaches, but how else has been?
0: um, The coaching staff has changed every year since I've been there. I definitely had the most fun this last year and the year before Coach Newman was the head coach uh in two thousand and eighteen, I think, and Lapin was the head coach in nineteen so I have a great time and the general manager and the a g m Tony and Jordan Tony just loves to take care of her people and the mayor of Rosemont, so I feel like being a bandit is. I mean, it is literally, it's one of the best experiences I could have had in softball because I met some really very amazing people. And like, that's just something like I'm super grateful for because Mexico softball is um, also in the NPF. They are the Cleveland Comets. Um, I was traded this year and I I made the decision out of uh, the fact that I wanted to make sure that we got as much training time in together as possible. Right. Um, Because, like, I love the Bandits, but I needed it for actual playing purposes. Like, I can get the bunt, Sanchi, or whoever's playing third, you know, doesn't have to come forward and stuff like that. So, just actual, like, logistics.
1: Yeah, I was going to ask you how that works. Because I know, you know, the Cleveland Comets are like Team Mexico, essentially. Mm -hmm. Or there are a lot of players there. Canadian Wild is Canada, Aussie Peppers are Australia. So, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And I've actually heard from everyone that I've talked to so far on this show that has played in the NPF always talks about how high of a level it is. And, you know, I had Danielle Laurie on the show and she was like, yeah, I was really humbled during my time in the NPF. And I was like, wow, to hear someone like Danielle Laurie say how hard it was, that'll tell you something. So what's your experience been?
0: It is hard. Um, I think to be fair, Danielle Laurie is extremely hard on herself. True. Um, (laughs) So uh, I don't think she got rocked as, as much as she's saying to you um, yeah. because she did great. I don't know what she's talking about.
1: <laughs> I know. Um, I'm with you there.
0: <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's definitely harder because you have to, I mean, you play them every day for like five games and then you move on and then you come back and play them two weeks later. So it's like you're constantly seeing the same people over and over. So it's just like having to reinvent yourself is a little exhausting. Actually, Coach Lapin does a really good job of, I want to say like transitioning the pitching staff and like making sure like you're going to get this game you're going to get this inning and this is this so we don't have to feel exhausted like that yeah but having an international teams in the NPF it's also difficult because not only do I see them in the NPF but I see them internationally <laughs> in all my tournaments so um, can't escape them <laughs> can't, nope it's like I see them all the time so yeah. the only difference is that the Cleveland comments don't have the whole team You know, to be honest with you, technically, Team Mexico softball has not officially named their Olympic roster. Mm. It's just a little difficult. So I know that not everybody is on the team or not everybody can make it. Or, for example, like Dallas uh, plays in um, Japan in their league. So she is unable to play in the NPF league. Right. So it's kind of like stuff like that. So our team's not full. And then you have the Aussie Peppers who... I think they take most of their squad. I know that they have technically like, they could honestly fill two rosters with the amount of like people that they have um, in their like little circle. And then we had like Beijing. So seeing them and then having to go do the International Cup and stuff. And then Canada brings everybody. And Canada (laughs) works hard. So seeing everybody, it's like, I can never get away. (laughs) (laughs) Like my notebook is full of not only your MPF at bats, but your regular bats.
1: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's tough. Fun. Yeah. Softball is a small world in some ways. Mm -hmm. And I feel like this is an example of that. Yep. So I have one more serious question before a fun one to wrap up. So you, I know that you've also coached yourself and you give lessons and you're an instructor. Mm -hmm. So what's the main thing that you hope young players learn from you?
0: I teach doing it the right way first and trying to be true to you before kind of expanding so I guess physically the the part that I teach is like fundamentals mechanics like I want you to learn like one or two pitches and I want you to master them before you decide well my coach wants me to have six so I'm gonna have all six when they all mm-hmm. look the same so right. I teach like trying to just make sure like you have the fundamentals and stuff and I also try to make sure that it depends on the age but I teach mentality and trying to like make sure like you stay You on the inside, and like nothing on the outside interferes with that. So, yeah, I would just say, like, if they do take anything away, it's never forget you when you're along this process because it is very long and like you can get lost. And it's It's physical and
1: mental, like you're saying, right?
0: It's definitely hard to just kind of teach eight year olds that or nine or 10. (laughs) And even I do have somebody who's like, I think she's 11 going to turn 12. Um, but I talk to her like she is older because she can understand it and she takes it seriously. So, I mean, I do have kids who want that kind of stuff and then I have other ones who aren't ready for it. It's just knowing them and knowing the age and like understanding the way their brain works. It's a
1: balance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, I'll have one fun question for you just to wrap things up. Okay. Um, you'll just tell me whether it's safe or out. So I'm going to bring up something related to softball. And if you agree, or you can get behind it, you'll say it's safe. Or if you're like, no, I, I don't like that. I'm not into it. You'll say it's out. Okay. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. Putting on a full face of makeup for a game, safe or out? Safe. You do it?
0: Um, I used to in college and it maybe not have been like, super caked but um <laughs> I don't do it now I do it sometimes but I don't do it now I was like raised to like feel good play good yeah yeah that's the so, thing at the time in order for me to feel good my hair was done my face was done and my uniform was perfect um now it doesn't work I mean it does work that way like I do my hair still but my makeup is like literally my eyebrows and my eyelashes <laughs> So. <laughs> I used
1: to not really have the energy, but I, I will mm-hmm. say I used to wear like some eyeliner sometimes, also to like look mm-hmm. more awake, especially yeah. at practice. Sometimes if I had stayed up late doing schoolwork or something, I was like, oh, "Yeah, no. coach, I'm awake." You practice, know, make my
0: hair was on the top of my head. <laughs> 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 I look like a I don't even know. <laughs> Definitely I, not for practice. I look like I just came out of a trash can.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well I feel like whenever we played Arizona you got well I guess not you you're younger than me but (laughs) the Arizona team at the time was always pretty put together.
0: Yeah I do know that coach had um, a rule you needed to look presentable. Hmm. I wasn't there so I won't say like what he had them or didn't have them do but I do know that you had to look presentable and I also know I think Florida did at some point they had some kind of rule like that I know that Oklahoma um, when they travel they have to be in some kind of specific attire that's not just like a t-shirt and leggings and like most teams travel in Mm. so I know that being a part of the softball culture like looking good outside or like looking good while you're playing is kind of part of what we do
1: we used to say look good feel good feel good play good play good win and that's kind of what you (laughs) mentioned earlier yeah That'll do it. All right. Well, thanks so much, Danielle. This is great. It's been great getting to know you and know more about Team Mexico and your time in Arizona and all of it.
0: Yep. Thanks for having me. It was fun.
1: So that was really fun to have Danielle on. I feel like maybe I should call her Tuli, actually. And I told her this after the interview, but big thanks to her husband and everyone else working as a nurse or a healthcare worker right now to help treat COVID-19 patients. The real MVPs. I, I can't say enough about it. And something that Danielle brought up at the end and what she teaches her softball students, and yes, they are students learning a craft, that having both the physical fundamentals and the mentality is so important. So with that, I want to continue the new segment, Double Play Tip of the Week. I'm giving you tips to get better. We're really tackling both that physical side of the game and the mental side. So it's two for the price of one. And it is hard to master both the same way it's hard to turn a double play and get both outs on the field, especially in softball. So we talked a lot about pitching with Danielle, so I wanna flip it around here. And this week's double play tip is about slapping and your approach in each at bat. So the idea I wanna focus on is to have awareness. And I do mean that in two ways. Physically, focus on your body awareness, particularly your alignment. So when you're slapping, that front foot, your right foot takes the drop step and your back foot steps over for the crossover as you're starting your movement for the slap. When you're doing that, you want to make sure that your body is still aligned. You don't want your hip flying open. You want to be parallel to home plate and aligned going straight towards the pitcher. So having that awareness as you're going through your motion, because when you make contact, you want to make contact in a similar way that you're going to do it if you were hitting away, meaning your upper body, your hands, where you make contact is the same. Your lower body just happens to be moving, but you don't want to be taking off to first base. You want to keep parallel to home plate and go straight towards the pitcher. So that's the first piece physically, having that body awareness. But then on the mental side, it really does go back to preparation, being aware of the defense. So before you even step into the box as a slapper, really as a hitter in general, but especially as a slapper, you check the defense. You look at the infielders and see where they're playing. Oh, is the third baseman playing a little back? Should I drop a bunt right here? Is the shortstop shaded up the middle? Should I try to poke something through the 5-6 hole? Reading that defense and knowing the situation that you're in as an offense, how many outs, runners on, et cetera, knowing all that information, having that awareness helps you decide what's going to be the best next move for your team and how you can execute it. So sharpening both sides of the game, again, that's going to get you to the next level. So that is the physical and mental side of your slapping approach. Have awareness of your body and awareness of the defense. That's the double play tip of the week. You've been listening to Believe in Softball. Available everywhere on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, TuneIn, and Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V. Please subscribe, rate, share. Keep hitting me up on Twitter, at Jenna one As always, thank you, and catch you soon.